Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the breakfast show with Lynn and me, Ryan. Now, Lynn, if you've ever gone furniture shopping, you probably would have heard of this homegrown brand. Tell me. It's Scantique. And I think for many of us growing of up, course, of this course. has been the brand for quality and the mm. company has expanded abroad. It's now got mm. over 140 stores in Singapore, Japan and Taiwan. Uh, so it's uh, making exactly. its name felt mm-hmm, in many places. Mm-hmm. There's one outlet very near my place. Uh, I always pass by it. Scantig is, of course, known for its Scandinavian designs made with sustainably sourced teak wood, specially obtained from plantation teak. It is a family-run furniture business that's been in operation for over 50 years. And now it's being led by second-generation you know, leaders. Yeah, you uh, might be wondering, who are the guys yeah? behind Scantig? Well, there is a pair of siblings behind it, and they are not just taking over the reins of the company. They they are reinventing the company and they've got a plan for more sustainable manufacturing, mm-hmm. more responsible business practices. And of course, a lot more we'll be unpacking in the next few moments. That's right. They're now seated just right across from us in the studio. Jamie. Good Jamie morning. Yeah. Good morning, Welcome Jamie. And Julian. Good morning. Julian Lim, who is the Regional Procurement Director and Scantic and CEO of Nova Furnishings Holdings. Welcome to the show, both of you. Now, let's jog both your memories a little bit, starting with Jamie. Um, as we were talking earlier, you're the more mature one. <laughs> and uh, that's how Julian cheekily put it. Jamie, we understand that you interned with Universal Studios for a year in 2002, so before being hired by Walden Media. So what made you want to leave the media industry to join the family business? First of all, I'm the mature one. I'm the more fun one as well. <laughs> so if we get that on record. <laughs> so I went into the media industry because I wanted to make an impact. And oh. I felt then without social media, that's the pinnacle of impact. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to leave. I almost felt like I had to leave kicking and screaming. Mm. But I was sold the idea by my father that I could also make an impact to different stakeholders, families, um, while being close to home mm. uh, around loved ones. And, and that sold me. And that's the reason why I decided after a difficult choice to leave the goods and glamour. Mm-hmm. of my dream and come back and also work with families and, and build inspire family moments so that was the reason so it's like from Hollywood to Teakwood exactly <laughs> not much difference <laughs> well both of you actually grew up around furniture you were talking about how you were running around chairs and tables hiding in cupboards for Julian let's talk about how you got into the business I want to say you actually didn't want to get into business what was going on for your journey so um, growing up we were taught to think that uh, being an entrepreneur was cool. Uh, my dad always uh, was very proud that he had nothing and he made something. So on that line, it was not really nice to be called like Asiakia or Fuata. And, um, you know, the fact that Jamie was doing well in Singapore and my dad um, was fairly prominent in Taiwan, I just thought that I wasn't needed. And um, even though I like furniture a lot, it was what we grew up with. Yeah, you wanted to be an investment banker at one stage. I mean, I was in the States. I think I was uh, almost top of my class in uh, an MBA. So um, my wife was there and I, we just thought, why not, you know, stay in the States, mm-hmm. settle down. Um, but it was at that time, I think my dad had a health scare. And there was also an opportunity to go to Japan to start or reinvigorate a business unit over there. And that would have given me the freedom space uh, to do what I wanted to do. So uh, I was there. That's how I started. 
So how do you balance your roles as siblings and as business partners? And in what ways do you think sibling rivalry can actually be a positive force in a family business? Let's start with you, Jamie. So I think we grew up in the era of uh, WWF, where you know <laughs> wrestling. Uh, no, no, How many chairs do you guys break? Too many. Um, so you know we used to wrestle, and I think it started from there. Uh. Um, healthy sibling rivalry. Um, but my parents always taught us about values, and I think that glued us together. Mm. So I thought three things that really helped us work together. One, values, very important. That it is. Purpose over profits, mm -hmm. that's one. Second one is when we have our separate sandboxes, which mm -hmm. means the playing field is big enough for us all to play with me mm -hmm. and my capacity and him and his capacity autonomously while we can still agree to disagree mm -hmm. on many matters. Mm -hmm. And I think lastly, we need to know that the pie is big enough for all of us mm -hmm. and that we do not look at just each other but we look at coming together against or for a bigger purpose which is really to furnish the world. Yeah, that point you brought up about agreeing to disagreeing. So I'm quite curious how you manage the difference in opinions. Uh, Julian, you mentioned you're the more playful one. And of course, for... Smart one, playful oh. one. And Jamie, you are what is being described as a more mature one. So it's difference in outlook, perspective. So Julian, when you're growing up together and now working with your sister, how do you manage it when you're disagreeing with her? How do you reach a solution? So... Um always and I mean always know that whatever she says or whatever I say it comes from the best of intentions and it's never selfish like never mm. so once you know that there's certain trust in either opinions but when things do get emotional sometimes it's just better to take a step back and formulize your thoughts on email that way you can convince yourself there's room to make error and she's forced to read uh, without interrupting uh, what I have to say. But I, I would have to interrupt myself as well when I'm typing that email. So I felt that really works because it's a lot more rational approach. Mm, so for you, the process is just typing it out and composing your thoughts That's more cool. coherently, yes. I guess. Yes. Talking about approach, Jamie, I've uh, heard that your children played a big role in how you approach your business. Care to tell us more? So for my children, it really changed our views of looking at business just for the purpose of profits, but also as a stewardship mm -hmm. on how to take it long term. And so maybe we could weave in sustainability. That was a fun conversation me and Julian had where we were making a tough decision. Do we produce slightly safer, but at a price tag kind of a furniture, which mm -hmm. means it's a reduced margin for us mm -hmm. and lose some of suppliers that we call uncles growing up? Okay. Or do we kind of continue producing cheaper furniture, mm -hmm. good furniture, mm -hmm. um, legal furniture, but we all know that there are side effects called mm -hmm. formaldehyde. Mm -hmm. And the conversation was simple. It went like, hey, we're parents now. Do we want our children to play around furniture with formaldehyde now that we understand the effects? Mm -hmm. Julian said no. I said no. Then why would we want our customers' children to go through it? Mm -hmm. So if we defray the cost in the long term, I think this is better for all of us. Mm -hmm. And that was when we made the very difficult decision to go on this sustainable route. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. On an operational front, what does it involve? It means cutting out some suppliers, finding new ones, raising costs, passing it on to Ex some extent? Yes. So we have to talk to suppliers and say, hey, we want to head in this direction. It's going to be a bit more expensive. You've got to do some homework to find these materials mm -hmm. that has less formaldehyde content. And if they can change, great. And we give them a one to two year lead time. But there are just some that cannot pivot. And those that cannot pivot, we have to, 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 to really apologise and, and, mm. and go our separate ways. Yes. And formaldehyde does formaldehyde. cause uh, 
rashes and all that, right? Yeah, irritation. And mm. some even say uh, too much of it will cause cancer. But oh. again, that is all medical. It's, it's not our field. We mm. do what we can. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, in conversation with Jamie Lim, she is the CEO of Scantic Singapore. And alongside her is her brother, Julian Lim, Regional Procurement Director for Scantic and CEO of Nova Furnishings Holdings. Talking about procurement, Julian, many businesses uh, face challenges of rising prices, supply chain issues, as well as changing consumer behaviour preferences. So what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced in the past five years, especially during the COVID pandemic, and how have you overcome them? A very good question, actually. So I think the challenges we faced were not unlike what other people have faced. The difficulty was always trying to be positive because during challenges, sometimes we can overly negative and uh, ignore the lessons that we could have been learning or identifying the opportunities that could be worth exploring. Mm. So I think the challenge, because no man is an island, is actually to let the people around you have the same thought process of identifying opportunities and being positive and um, a more of a learning approach when these things hit. Mm. So, um, of course, there are cost challenges, of which the suppliers at that time was a lot of disruption. But we've managed pretty well. I think we've been able to grow and, and adapt to the environment. Yeah, talk about adapting. So things change, trends change. Uh, what has been changing for Scantic on the front? Have you had to figure out how to stay relevant to new tastes and new demographics? How has that been changing for you? Every day, um, mm. every single day. So for us, we realise that while some things change, many things don't. So the importance of home does not change, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. what we notice changing is not so much the trends, because that changes every day almost, right. but the way they shop. Which yes. means now, people the people used to kind of tour and they want something very universal. I want a mm. one color kind of look. I want it all white. But now people go by themes. I want Japandi. I want a Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> and way before, what well, means once they even think they want to get married or, or move into a new house, they would do a Pinterest board, yes. collect pictures of what they yep. want, yep. and then find what they like. And so along with that understanding, get customer journey. We try to innovate. Right now, we have something called like a web AR. So mm-hmm. customers could have the picture, the size of the furniture live in their home just while looking on our website. Um, all the way to now understanding that, hey, uh, people love a good night's sleep. And so we brought mm-hmm. in Scan Comfort, which is our latest mattress made and flown in from Germany mm-hmm. with actually a very decent price point, similar to that prices that you can get of a Southeast Asian made mattress. Mm. So all of these things we're doing to expand um, and to bring in more and more different materials, different type of furnishing for our consumers. Do you think um, consumers are, I don't know, less discerning these days with, you know, furniture being so accessible, even on online platforms like Taobao, you can get furniture. So what do you say to that? I think they're way more discerning. And mm-hmm. in recent days, when we are all squashed with our wallets a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, that increases the level of discernment. And for us, we need to find ways, like what my brother has said, to find cost-cutting measures to mm-hmm. translate those savings to our consumers. I think that's very important and something we're working on right now. Yeah, I'm just wondering as well, the demographics of the Scantic customer. For many people growing up, they are very familiar with a brand, but now they are bombarded with so many online advertising campaigns, different brands up and coming. Are you seeing a change in your demographic when it comes to the customer base? Julian, you want to take that? For Scantique, I think there is a very loyal fan base. And they are pretty hardcore loyalists, I think. So mm-hmm. in terms of Scantique, um, they were trying to re-innovate, mm. designed to also target the, the younger audience. And mm. there's a difference in their values. 
in the past, people wanted something that lasts longer. Right now, people want something that don't look so fat and clunky because <laughs> the rooms are getting smaller. But do you have to sell it differently on social media and new channels? Mm. Oh, yes, for sure. I think a lot more storytelling is needed. Mm-hmm. Whatever the brand, right? Whether mm-hmm. it be uh, Scantique or Nova, a lot more storytelling. Mm-hmm. And a lot more stories, I think, mm. on, on social media. So mm-hmm. um, influencers, mm-hmm. um, a lot more videos are being used as, mm. as, as compared to the past. And, and allow me to chime in on this. We're not playing with materials. We used to be very like only teak. Oh. But today we bring playing with leather. We're mm-hmm. now also playing with ceramic. And we're loving this topic of mass customization is something mm. that we're exploring even within our brand. Mm. Okay. Very quickly, uh, before we let you go, we're running out of time. What are your plans for expansion and hopes for the future for your family business? Oh, Jamie has three kids. I have two. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I think there are two questions to this, right? One is within the family, what we're going to do, like how to educate and nurture the children, how to uh, bring up leaders, and for what do we do with the family for the next generation who are not interested in the business. So there's an active discussion we have uh, with mm. the second, the first as well, and the third generation. Mm. And then in terms of business, I think we've been um, bringing in new brands to Singapore. We are actually uh, actively acquiring business within the region because we want to grow in those uh, economies. And then finding synergies within our businesses. So there's a lot of discussion on how we can do it. And most importantly, I think, is succession planning. And um, one of the values we keep and hold to ourselves is um, we want to make the world a better place. Oh, very nice. Okay, that is a great story. We've been hearing from Junin Lim, Regional Procurement Director for Scantic, and he's also CEO of Nova Furnishings Holdings, and Jamie Lim, CEO of Scantic Singapore. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.